Well, go with me, if you would, to Hebrews, the fourth chapter, Hebrews chapter 4, and verse uh, 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Now let's just stop here. He's talking about temptation. He's talking about sin. And yet he's talking about confession. Is there a connection between overcoming temptation of sin and the confession of your mouth? Oh, there is. We're going to read in just a moment about how Jesus can help us, help us wonderfully when we are tempted. But here we already see he is that, you know, if you back up in the book of Hebrews, both in the third chapter and the fourth chapter, talks about him being the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Does it matter what we say? Oh, it matters what we say. Does it matter what we say when we're under pressure, when we're being pushed, when we're being tempted? Would it make a difference in him being able to help us or not being able to help us? Him being able to help us a lot or not being able to help us very much? Does he work with what we say? It's true. He does. So we need to hold fast to the confession of faith. Hold fast to what we should be saying. Because we got a high priest. Who's already been here. Seen it all. (laughs) Overcome it all. And knows how to help us. And if we'll stay with what he told us to say. And believe. He's able to help us. He was tempted in all points. Like as we are. Yet without sin, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, that verse has been pulled out and preached on by itself so much until I think folk don't realize the context. But us coming to the throne of grace, getting grace to help, if you tie that with the previous two verses, help in what kind of time? Time of temptation. Oh, can you see it? Being tempted. Being pushed. Being pressed. Is there help when you're tempted? Yes, there is. Back to the second chapter. Second chapter of Hebrews. Fourteenth verse. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, that's us, he also himself, Jesus, likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. Did he do it? Yeah. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. That was us. Did he do it? Then have we been delivered from the fear of death? For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. 
Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor or to help them that are tempted." Uh, the weast says, he's having himself been tempted and put to the test, he's able to run to the cry of those who are being tempted and put to the test and bring them aid. The living Bible says, for since he himself has been through suffering and temptation, he knows what it is like when we suffer and are tempted, and he is wonderfully able to help us. Oh, somebody say that out loud. He is wonderfully Able to help me. When? At all times, but specifically in this second chapter and in the fourth chapter, him overcoming temptation and pressure. Now, temptation is something that people have not wanted to talk about. It's been something that preachers hadn't wanted to talk about. And it hadn't been taught on enough. And there's gross ignorance about the whole subject. And people think if I were to let on that I was tempted in an area, everybody would just think so ill of me. It would prove that I'm warped and something's wrong with me. And listen, Jesus was tempted in all points. How many points? Now, theologians, a lot of them don't like to believe this. I've read after people with with all kinds of degrees, and they try to explain this away. But I just believe the Bible. And if you say, well, no, no, now Jesus was never tempted to sin. That just cannot be. Well, then you can't have it both ways. If he was never tempted to sin, then he doesn't know what it's like to be me and you. Hmm? He wasn't really completely human like us. And he wouldn't know what it's like to be tempted to sin and to experience the weakness and the feelings. But the Bible said, we just got through reading, in how many ways was he made like us? How many ways? This is the second chapter now. Let's read this again so you get clear in your mind what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about temptation now. That was the fourth chapter. The second chapter, how many, verse 17, how many uh, things is he made like us? In all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. How much was he like us? In all things. Then in the fourth chapter and the 15th verse, of course all this flows together, it says, He was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Because of the way we've been taught for generations, people don't even want to try to imagine it or look at it. They think, oh, now Jesus, there's no way Jesus was ever tempted. To do the stuff I've been tempted to do or maybe that you yielded to doing. And yet the Bible said he was. I said the Bible said he was. Was Jesus tempted like you have been tempted or not? Does it make him any less? No, because what's the punchline? In all things, he's tempted like as we are yet without Sin. So is it a sin to be tempted? No. 
Should you feel condemned because you were tempted? No. Hmm? No. If you didn't yield to it. Did you hear me now? Anybody can be tempted. Jesus himself was tempted. The difference is he never yielded to it. He never gave in to it. He never followed the temptation. He, you know, in talking about to his disciples when they're about to come take him and scourge him and crucify him, he warned them about temptation. He said, watch and pray that you don't enter into temptation. Can you get the picture? It's like a door that's open and something's beckoning you to come in. But how many know it's up to you whether you come in or not? The devil cannot make you sin. Who was it, the comedian years ago popularized? The devil made me do it. Not so. I said not so. He can't. Aren't you glad he can't? (laughs) You know, the devil ain't all he's cracked himself up to be. (laughs) He is a fallen, created being. Isn't he? Has he been spoiled? Does the scripture say he's been spoiled and brought to naught? You know what a naught is? It's a big old goose egg. Zero. (laughs) So the devil's a big zero. (laughs) That's right. Did you know the less afraid of the devil you are, the less power he has in your life? Did you know that now? The less afraid you are of witchcraft, the less effect it can have on you. The less afraid you are of sorcery or voodoo or any other kind of hoodoo. If you're not afraid of it. How many remember uh, when uh, they tried to get the prophet to curse Israel in the Old Testament? And what did he say? He was renowned throughout the country for cursing people. I mean, why do you think the king called him and offered him all this money? He wouldn't have done that unless he known that uh, this guy has put the voodoo on some people in the past. And it took and they were gone. So he wants him to curse the people of God. And he tried. He went over here and he went through his, you know, motions and his sacrifices. And he went over he said, let's try another place. And let's try another place. Finally, he said, look, you can't curse whom God has blessed. I don't care how good you are at cursing. You just can't do it. Why? Because you'd have to be bigger than God to take his blessing off and put your little curse on. And I mean, there ain't nobody bigger than God. But here's the thing, fear opens the door. How many know the Bible said concerning Job, his fears came on him. Fear draws problems to you, whatever you're afraid of, draws it into your life. Like a magnet, you must not allow fear. You must not. If you know that you've been entertaining and nursing some fears of something, listen, it's dangerous. You can open the door to that thing in your life. You can give the enemy a legal right to bring it into your life. Say it out loud. I am free free from all fears. fears. I'm not afraid afraid of the devil, devil. demons, Demons. witchcraft, Witchcraft. voodoo, Voodoo. anything Anything. of the devil. devil. It cannot touch me. me. I'm I'm blessed. 
It cannot touch me. Now, you believe in that is what helps affect it in your life. How many, we talked, you know, uh, some months ago, we spent a bunch of time in the 91st Psalm. You remember that? And we saw God has his part to keep and protect us, but we have our part. And one of our parts, and this is a big one, I will say of the Lord. This, the people have read that until they don't even pay attention to it. And they say, well, I know how to quote the 91st. No, this is something you're supposed to say. Something you're supposed to say. Now we're right back to Jesus being the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Now, something I'm going to say. What do you say? He is my refuge. He's my fortress. What are you saying? He protects me. He keeps me from harm. You need to say it. You need to believe it. Well, if you believe that, then you're not afraid of this stuff. You're not saying, oh, man, I hope that don't bother me. And Oh, I heard them chanting, and I think they tried to put something on me. <laughs> uh, Brother Hagen was in a meeting some years ago, and and a fella came by and, and told him, he said, oh, you know, sister so-and-so didn't like what you said in the service tonight. Boy, it made her mad. And uh, you better watch it because she'll put a curse on you. <laughs> well, what kind of ministry is that? So she'll put a curse on you. He laid his head back and laughed. He said, ha, he said, I double dog dare her <laughs> to curse me. Well, he must not be afraid of it, right? The Bible said the curse causeless shall not come, but it will return unto the place where it came from. You try to curse a believer who has faith in God to protect and no fear of it, you better make it to fit you because it's coming right back on you, baby, right back, right back to you. <laughs> Say it again, I'm not afraid afraid of the devil, devil, demons, demons, demonic activity, activity, curses, curses, sorcery, sorcery, witchcraft, spiritualism. I'm not afraid of it. No, I'm blessed. Blessed of the Most High God, so none of it can touch me. And if you believe that, it's just very frustrating to the enemy because he has to work through fear. And if he can't get it in you, then he can't work in your life. So keep him frustrated. (laughs) In all things, Jesus was made like us. And in all things, all points, he's been tempted like us. Does that make him less because he was tempted? Let me go just a little bit further with this now. How many know that the Spirit of God came on him? And he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was what there for 40 days? What happened? Come on, tell me what happened. Was he tempted? What does that mean when the enemy said, you know, he's hungry. 40 days, he began to be really hungry. I mean, this would be like the hunger before starvation type thing. Gnawing demanding hunger, and uh, the enemy says, if you're the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Was he tempted? What does that mean? (laughs) What does that mean? 
Was, did it mean nothing to him? Or was he pulled? Was he pulled? He was pulled. Wasn't he? I mean, he, he thought about it. It's pulling on him. In his heart, he knew that wasn't the thing to do. That wasn't what the Spirit of God was leading him to do. But his flesh is screaming. And he believes he could do it. Are you listening now? He believes he could speak and it would happen. Was he tempted? And the other two things that were mentioned when he's brought up to the pinnacle of the temple. Was he tempted to jump? Hmm? He was tempted. A lot of folk don't like to think so, but he was. Did it mean that he was less a perfect example? Absolutely not. Well, then why should you feel all condemned? Because you were tempted. Hmm? The key is don't yield. He didn't turn the stones into bread. He was tempted, but he didn't do it. He didn't jump off the pinnacle and tempt God. He was tempted. And the devil took him up to an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said, all of this is yours. If you'll bow down and worship me. Was he tempted? See, a lot of folk try to say, oh, he wasn't tempted. He knew, you know. If he wasn't tempted, then what's going on out here? And why did the Bible say he was tempted? He was tempted. Why? This is what he's born for, uh, you know, of the flesh. And this is what he's destined for from eternity past. King of kings. Lord of lords. And the devil's saying, here's a shortcut. (laughs) Skip the cross. Skip all that. You can be king of kings today. (laughs) You can be lord over everything on the earth. King of everything now. Just worship me. Was he tempted? He was. He was. He was pulled. He was tempted. But he didn't do it. I said he didn't do it. He was able to come back to the word of God. He said, it is written. You worship the Lord your God and him only. Now come on, let's just stop. Come back to our text. Did he say something about your confession? Did he say something about your confession? And then he talked about temptation. Is God the Father helping him when he's standing up saying, It is written. How many believe strength was coming into him? He was enabled. He stood and didn't yield. Is he our perfect example? What do we do when we're pressed? When we're pushed? Well, one thing we got to do as men and women of God, Christians and believers and all categories and age and stage is quit pretending we're not tempted. We got people everywhere hiding and covering their sin and they keep yielding and falling again and again and they won't even admit they're tempted. So they fall again tomorrow. Fall again the next day. How many understand, if you won't even admit you're tempted, how are you going to deal with the temptation? You know, that's one of the reasons why people have had some success 
in the uh, some of the 12 step programs and different things, people admit I have an issue with this. As long as they try to pretend I don't have a drinking problem, I don't have a drug problem, I don't have a problem. They're saying I'm not tempted. I can quit this anytime I want to. And the thing is, they are sorely tempted night and day. And they're playing games. And they're pretending. What's the good news about this? Jesus was tempted in all points like us. He's able to help us. Come on now. He, he's been through it. He understands every part of it. And that verse we just read in the other translation. He is wonderfully able to help us when we're tempted. What does it mean if you are wonderfully helped? That means you were strong and didn't fall. You were strong and didn't yield. You acted like Jesus. You were tempted, but you didn't yield. Tempted, but you didn't fall. You didn't sin. Is this possible? So we've been talking about the truth about temptation. And the wonderful news about this is you'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. And even though you're subject to temptation, you can learn how to be strong and not yield to it and get this wonderful help the Bible's talking about and be free from sin, not fall. Go with me, if you would, to uh, the book of uh, Romans. Like we said, there's a lot in here about this subject. If you want to feed your spirit more on this, then just read Actually, it's most of the book of Romans, particularly these first eight chapters. Uh, just read them again and again and say, Lord, teach me about sin and about temptation and about overcoming and read it in faith again. Uh, what is sin? Sin is a politically incorrect word. Did you know that? Uh, people don't like to talk about sin. They have replaced it with words like problem, <laughs> challenge, <laughs> issue, <laughs> difficulty, yeah. right? It's politically incorrect. You don't say so-and-so's in sin. You say, oh, they've been having a problem. And they're working through some things. <laughs> but there's problems with this mentality. The implication is they're doing the best they can. And they may not be able to just whip this thing by the end of the week. This may take a while. Now hold on. What are we saying? It may take a while to get out of sin. Hmm? Have we ever talked to the Lord about that? Did he tell us it may take a while? <laughs> you get to work your way out of sin? You know, taper down <laughs> on sin. Let's decrease the sin, at least. And we keep on working, we'll get it way down. And your sin to righteousness ratio will be <laughs> more in line with what it what it should be. Now, you're laughing, but did you know that millions operate this way as though this is 
reality and the thing that is taught from pulpits and the thing that a lot of people believe is that we are just only old sinners saved by grace. Well, what do sinners do? Sinner, runners run, swimmers swim, sinners sin, right? Sin. And the implication is we all sin every day. And we can't help it because that's what we is. Sinners. Is that true? Man, last week we delved into Romans and we saw sin shall not have dominion over you. You're dead to sin. You're free from sin. Why would you live in sin any longer? We said three or four times and said, God forbid. Blood washed. Blood bought children of God. Staying and living in sin. He said, God forbid. Say, God forbid. Now, there's no question about this. You've sinned. And so have I. More than once. And there's a whole lot of sin going on in this world. But the truth is, you never, I never one time had to sin. There's never been a situation where any man or woman couldn't help it. They had to sin. The temptation was just more than they could stand. There is no such thing as an irresistible temptation. No such thing. If you couldn't help it, you shouldn't be responsible to repent. It's not your fault. And that's what millions want us to believe. It's not my fault. It was just bigger than me. Next thing I knew, it happened. And people will try to tell you the story like they were unconscious almost. It was like, <laughs> man, I just looked up and it had happened. I, I don't know how that money got in my pocket. I, I don't know how I slapped them and called them that ugly name. I, just, I came to myself and I was sitting on the couch and I don't know how I got in the bedroom with them. It was just... I just realized, what have I done? These are people lying. They're lying to themselves. They're lying to other people. And this is how to stay in sin. And stay defeated. Now as we get into this, you're going to hear this again and again. And it is one of the hugest keys to the whole you know, bottom line, punchline of this whole series, and that is truth. The truth. The truth will make you free. Somebody say the truth. Say it again, the truth. The truth will make you free. Does the truth always make you look good? Uh-uh. <laughs> The light can show up some dirt and some stuff. But if you'll let the light shine and let the blood clean, come on, let the word wash. Let the spirit regenerate. 
you can get free. I said you can get free from things you may have been in bondage to for years. The things that people go all their life and never get free from. You can get free. Because sin shall no longer have dominion over us. It is written. Jesus paid the price. And it belongs to us. What is sin? Proverbs 14.9. Don't turn there. But Proverbs 14.9 says a fool will laugh at sin. Fools mock at sin. The New Living says fools make fun of guilt. But the godly acknowledge it and seek reconciliation. The English version, this is Proverbs 14.9 says foolish people don't care if they sin. But good people want to be forgiven. Fools make a mockery of sin. We've got a lot of fools around nowadays. There's a lot of people with degrees getting on talk shows. Did you hear me? And every other thing and writing books. And they said, oh, ain't no such thing as sin. That's people's mind. That's baggage that their Puritan-minded parents and grandparents put in them bondage. And you just, it's not a matter that you necessarily need to quit the act. You just need to understand there's nothing wrong. There is no such thing as sin. And get rid of the guilt. The guilt is the problem. No, the sin is the problem. (laughs) The guilt is the result of the sin. You can't get rid of the guilt without getting the sin taken care of. And if you think you did, all you did was sear your conscience. You can. You can push yourself to the place where it doesn't bother you that much anymore. You can lie to yourself and believe other people's lies and you can push it down and push it down year after year until it don't bother you anymore. Oh, but if you do, you're in a bad place spiritually. You're so dull, you couldn't hear God speak until you threw a PA system. You've confused yourself, dulled yourself. We don't want to be dull. We want to be sensitive. We don't want to be hard-hearted. Is there such a thing as sin? What is sin? Let me give you some definitions right out of the Bible. 1 Corinthians 5.17 says, All unrighteousness is sin. That word righteous is a word that usually just goes right over people's head. It's simply from the word right. Right. How many understand everything God says is right? If he says this is the way to do it, that's the right way to do it. Is there right and wrong? So we got all kind of folks in the world trying to tell us there really is no right and wrong. It's every man, whatever he or she thinks for themselves. You know, it's up to you. And we got to respect everybody's right to live the way they want to and tell them that it's okay. There is right. There is wrong. There is sin. If there is no sin, there is no reason for Jesus to come. 
Come on, do you understand this now? Sin has to be acknowledged. Or that's why there's no reason for us to come in here tonight. Why was Jesus born of a virgin? Why did he go to the cross? What price did he pay? For what? Sin is serious. Isn't it? And sin is the thing that can cut you and I off from the blessings of God, even though we've been born again. If we yield to our flesh and yield to sin, even though we've been bought and paid for, we'll live defeated lives. And it ought not be. And it doesn't have to be. Because Jesus took all of our sin. All of it. All of it. So we could be free. Say it out loud. Sin. Sin. Shall no longer longer have dominion over me. me. We're quoting scriptures. All unrighteousness, everything that is not right, is sin. 1 John 3, 4. Sin is the transgression of the law. Now when you hear the word transgression or transgress, I want you to think violate. Well, you already know it. We have laws. And when do you get in trouble? When you break the law. You violate the law. Well, old English way of saying it is you transgressed. (laughs) You transgressed the law. You broke the law. You violated the law. Proverbs 21.4 says, A high look, a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked is sin. What kind of look? A high look and a proud heart. Well, that's, I'm just saying you could be doing that and not moving a muscle. A high look and a proud heart. Now, we're beginning to get into something here. So many people want to know about acts, A-C-T-S. Is this a sin? Hmm? Well, is doing this a sin? Is doing that a sin? And they want to know, give me the catalog so I know I'm not doing anything in the book. So if I, if I can't find it in the book, I know I'm okay. Uh-uh. No. It's much bigger than that. God looks at the heart. So he looks at the heart. Not the outward appearance. This goes on to say Proverbs 24, 9. Proverbs 24, 9. The thought of foolishness is sin. Thought? Can a thought be a sin? Hmm? James 4, 17. To him that knows to do good and does it not. To him it is sin. Can sin be what you didn't do? Yeah. Why? You knew to do it. And man, that's one of the biggest things about this whole deal. What did you know? What did you understand? What did you see? And that affects what is sin. The Bible said in Romans 14, 23, Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Sin. Are you still in Romans? Romans, the fifth chapter. You were at chapter six, weren't you? 
Well, five flows into six. Romans five. We're talking about what, what sin is. Romans five and verse uh, 12. Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. For until the law sin was in the world but sin is not imputed when there is no law. What does that mean? Sin is not imputed when there is no law. Now in the uh, fourth chapter, back up just a few verses, 4 and 15, 15th verse of the fourth chapter, it says, because the law works wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. You couldn't break the speed limit if there was no speed limit. <laughs> hmm? Sin has to do with what you know. Now, you can miss it and break God's laws ignorantly. And it caused you a problem. But it wasn't sinning against God. Sometimes people talk about secret sins. And there's this whole doctrine about secret sins. Very few scriptures that would even say anything to that effect. One in particular in Psalms about keeping us back from secret sins. But uh, look at the whole context and ask yourself the question, secret from who? Because <laughs> technically speaking, there is no such thing as a sin you don't know about that you did. Because if you really did it ignorantly, even though you maybe did miss it, God doesn't impute sin to you. Sin's not imputed when there is no law, when you didn't know what the law was. Now because of this, people jump on the bandwagon and plead ignorance. Don't they? And this is one of the big issues that you got to deal with. Is people act like, well, I didn't know. Problem is, the Lord knows what you know. He knows what you saw and what you didn't see. So you can't get out of your shoes one step with Him. How many say you cannot con God? You can't roll your eyes. You can't turn the tears on. You can't go, God, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> he says, you knew. What you going to tell him? You wrong? <laughs> I couldn't help it. I didn't know. He knows what you know. And you're held accountable for what you know. Go with me to the book of John, please. Go to the book of John, please. And the ninth chapter. John 9. I want you to keep these things in mind. 
Where there is no law, sin is not imputed. Romans 5.13 said, sin is not imputed where there is no law. We've said this about rearing children. We've said this about people that are under you in any place. Employers, employees, doesn't make any difference what the scenario is. The thing you got to ask, when something happens, your child didn't do what you told them to do, what you wanted them to do. Your employee didn't do. The person that's under you didn't do or they did the opposite of what you told them to or what you wanted them to do. I don't care how upset you are, how much it bugs you. If you're a spiritual individual and you're a good leader, you do not just vent your feelings on them. you got to answer some questions. Why did they not do what you told them to do? you got to find out. Was it ignorance or was it rebellion? Because it's one of those two. Are you with me now? And depending on what it is, it takes a different response. Children, you told your child to do something. They didn't do it. You do not need to just let it go. Things need to stop. The music needs to stop. Yeah, but mama, I'm in a hurry and I got to go. No, you don't now. Come here. Come here. Sit down. Sit down. Yeah, but I'm in a hurry. Well, the longer you put me off, the longer it's going to take. And you got to talk to them. Did you understand what I told you to do? Now, I'm understanding the worst thing that could happen right now is what? They did understand, but they look at you and they tell you, I didn't understand. I didn't know that that's what you meant. This is one of the most grievous mistakes and sins that a human being can commit. You may think I'm over-exaggerating. You may think I'm making too big of a deal. If I could say it stronger, if I could hang from the ceiling and glow like a light bulb (laughs) and say it where they could hear me a hundred miles from here. I've known this is important, and those of you, Phyllis will tell you this, everybody around me, they know one thing you don't want to do with Brother Moore, lie to him. I mean, you do a lot of stuff, and we can make it through, but you do that, and you're in trouble. Serious. To me, one lie is grounds for immediate dismissal. A lie is not a mistake. A lie is a purposeful effort to cause me to believe a lie. You're trying to deceive me. You're you're using our relationship. Did you hear me now? You're using my love for you and my respect for you to convince me that a lie is true. This is what the enemy of my soul does every day. This is what the enemy of God does to the whole world every day. How many understand? The devil is the father of lies. And when you begin to lie, who are you yielding to? Who are you giving place to? Who have you invited into your living room and into your family meeting and into your business? Friend, lying is absolutely one of the most serious offenses a human being can commit. And God hates it. 
That's not my words, that's his. He hates it. Somebody say, so do I. Now, we love liars, but we hate lies. Make sure you got the difference there. We don't hate people, but we hate lying. Whether it was you or me or whoever it was, we hate it. Now, when it comes to your parents and children, how many understand when we say, son, daughter, did you understand what I told you to do? This is one of the most important things that has happened all month or year is happening right now. What they say, what comes out of their mouth is going to tell you what kind of young man or young woman they're becoming. It's going to tell you what kind of future they're going to have in this life. It's going to tell you whether you or God himself is going to be able to help them or whether they're going to cut themselves off from the grace of God. Now you may think I'm being too strong, but I'm quoting scripture. Go to Proverbs quickly, please. What place are you holding besides that? John 9. We'll see if we get there or not. Proverbs, I believe it's 28. What's this got to do with sin? What's this got to do with temptation? Hmm? What we're into right now is why people keep falling into sin. And don't get free. If you did not sin where somebody else did. If you were strong and didn't yield to it. Where somebody else gave in. It was by the grace of God. But do you know who gets the grace? Not the proud. Pride and deception go hand in hand. Obadiah 3 says, The pride of thy heart has deceived thee. Pride and deception. That's why being proud is not a good thing to say about you or anybody. I'm proud. I'm an American. I'm proud of my children. I'm proud. Bad language, scripturally. Say, I'm thankful to be an American. I'm blessed to be an American. I'm honored. I'm so thankful for my children. I'm so pleased with what they've done. Don't say proud. Pride is the nature of the devil himself. There is no such thing as good pride. No such thing. How many understand? Some people, you know, I've said it for years, but you can even tell when you say it again. Well, I don't care what you say, preacher. I'm proud of my kids. (laughs) Let me just give you this little thing to chew on right here. Jesus has lived a perfect life for these 30 years without yielding to sin, obeying the Father every day. He's right on course. He's doing exactly what He's on the earth to do. And He's baptized in the river Jordan. And He comes up out of the river and the Holy Spirit comes down on Him like a, in a bodily shape form as a dove. And the Father says, what did He say? I am so proud of my boy. What did he say? I, I am proud of you, son. So then why would you know better? What did he say? Come on, tell me what the Father God who knows everything about everything always says it perfectly for eternity. What did he say? This is my beloved son. I love him. 
He's my son and what? Could you say anything better in a moment like that? Can you do better than that? You can't do any better than that. Then act like your father. Talk like your father. Love, honored, pleased, but not proud. Proverbs 28, are you there? And 13. If you hadn't marked this one, you might want to mark it and make sure you get it etched in you in your thinking. Proverbs 28, 13. He that covers his sins, what's going to happen to him or her? If the Bible says you won't prosper, what's going to happen? Hmm? What if you sow a lot of seed? Make a lot of confessions. If the Bible says you're not going to prosper, then what's going to happen? You're not going to prosper. <laughs> How many want to prosper? Then what can't you do? What must you not do? Cover your sins. Hide your sins. A couple of the big reasons, well, I won't get into all that. One of the big reasons why people lie is to cover their sin, cover their self. So people won't think bad of me. So people won't know what I did. And then you lie about it. As time goes on, you feel like you're going to have to prop it up with another lie and another lie. To try to cover those lies. Because lies are inconsistent. And so there's always holes somewhere in them. Well I thought you said yeah. Such and such. Uh, uh, uh. Well yeah what I meant was. And I. Will that person prosper? According to the Bible. They will not prosper. Because they are covering. And hiding it. Keep reading. Read the rest of it. But whoso confesses it and forsakes them, what will happen to them? Come on, tell me what will happen. Mercy. Does this tie in with our text we started off with? Come boldly to the throne of grace to get grace to help. Get mercy and grace to help in the time of need. And it just got through talking about how Jesus was tempted in all points, just like us, yet without sin. How did he not yield? How did he overcome every temptation? It was the grace of God. How did he stay in that grace? How did he operate in that grace day in, day out, night after night, day after day? Go to 1 Peter real quick. 1 Peter Chapter 2, verse, end of verse 21 and verse 22 is what I want you to see. He left us an example that we should follow his steps. 1 Peter 2, 22, who did what? How much? How much? Look at the rest of it though. What? Neither was any guile found in his mouth. Well, now what does one have to do with the other? What does him having no guile have to do with him having no sin? Let me read this to you from other translations. New Living says, He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. The 
NCV says, he had never sinned and he never lied. He never sinned, easy to read says, he never told a lie. No deceit. Deceit has to do with deception, lying. The more involved you are with lies, the more susceptible you are to sin. Lying to yourself. Lying to others. Lying about what you know. Lying about what you don't know. How many understand what I'm talking about earlier? Your child didn't do what you told him to do. It was important. What do we got to find out here now? Hmm? Did they know what I said? Did they understand my instruction? Now, if you were a poor communicator... If you expected them to read your mind and you didn't communicate it to them, who's got to take the responsibility? You do. If you had discerned they really didn't know that's what I meant, then they don't deserve punishment. They don't deserve discipline. And because of that, if you're just, people will be tempted to act like they didn't know because they want to get out of the punishment. They want to get away from the discipline. So they'll look at you and go, I... I, is that what you wanted? I thought you said tomorrow afternoon. I thought you meant you wanted me to. Listen, friend. You got the Holy Spirit. Don't you? And you need to trust what you get inside. There's been times. <laughs> I was in a situation just recently. And. Uh, I didn't even expect it. But something was going on in a conversation and the person said such and such thing and the Lord said, that's a lie. I thought, huh? I looked at them. They're a fine person. And somebody said, you say anything? No. But I've learned to trust that. I've learned to trust that. And if you'll learn to trust it, one reason why people are not so good at telling other people is because they're full of lies themselves. They live in a false world. When all you are willing to embrace is the truth, deception stands out. Doesn't it? When all you feed on is truth, and you refuse to say anything except the truth, the best you know it, then when a lie comes up, man, it sticks out like a red flag. You go, whoa, whoa, what is that? How do you get grace? How do you get mercy? According to that scripture we read in Proverbs. You confess it. Somebody say confess it. Confess it. What does confess it mean? I did it. I knew better. Hmm? I knew what I was doing. Why would you do it? I just yielded to my flesh. Did you know what I wanted you to do? Yes. Why'd you do it? Rebellion. I just wanted to do something else. Flesh. I just didn't want to do it. How many understand? You may not be happy about it, but it's possible to get grace. It's possible to get mercy. It's possible to get help. But what if you keep lying? I didn't know. I didn't see it. I couldn't tell. You can't even deal with it. Now here's the hard thing. God himself can't help them. 
Because they're not asking for help. They're saying they don't need help because they didn't do it. Oh, friend, can you see this? How serious this is. John 9, then we'll go to 1 Timothy 2. I think I can close. John 9 is the story of the blind man being healed. And uh, the people got upset about it, the religious leaders. And they called him on the carpet, so to speak, and they questioned him about it. And he kept telling them, they said, oh, you were born in sins. And they just want to throw him out. And uh, at the end of the chapter, verse 39, Jesus said, for judgment I'm come into this world that they which see not might see. And that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and they said to him, Are we blind also? (laughs) Now get what Jesus said to them. Because this is revelation of what we've been talking about all night long. What did Jesus say? Next verse. They said, Are we blind also? Jesus said, If you were blind, you wouldn't have sin. What does that mean? If you really didn't see Sin wouldn't be imputed to you. But what what do you go on to say? But now you say, we see. And I'm going to throw my little phrase in there. Because you do. Therefore what? Your sin remains. He told them in another place. He said, if you don't believe I'm him, you're going to die in your sins. What was their sin? They knew better. They are seeing things in the Word they're not going to admit. You see this over into the book of Acts. You see where Paul had come and preach in a place, and a bunch of the people in the synagogues, this you know, the churches of that day, would come around and they want to hear it. But then the next Sabbath day, when the whole town came out and they had a bigger crowd than it ever had before, they changed sides and started finding fault and started speaking against it. That's sin. I said, that's sin. Because you're acting like you don't see what you've already seen. Now, why would they do that? Why? Pride and fear. They're afraid he's going to get their crowds. They're afraid he's going to get too big of an offering. He might get some of their money. He might get their place. He might start a church and they might all want to go to his church instead of theirs. How many understand that your feelings about that, even though you might be tempted to feel that way, should have nothing to do with what you really see in the Word. If you see it, you see it. Whether you like it or not, whether you like how it makes you look or not, the truth is the truth. And if you want to be free, you got to admit what you see. you got to acknowledge it. And if you hide and cover up your sins and lie about what you see and lie about what you know and play games with people, the Bible says you will not prosper.
You're not going to succeed. It's not going to go well with you. But if you'll confess it. And repent means forsake it too. What will happen? You will get mercy. Thank you, Lord. What did I say? First Timothy? <laughs> Second Timothy. Second Timothy 2. I've prayed this prayer for many a person. Fellow minister, family members, friends. Because I saw years ago what was required to come out of situations. He said, verse 24, 2 Timothy 2, 24. He said, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. In meekness, instructing those that do what? Oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them what? Repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. The Bible talks about the deceitfulness of sin. We've already talked about this sin and deception. They go hand in hand. And see, so many people that are bound in serious, serious bondages and habits and problems and sin. And yet, they could get their self out with the grace of God. They wouldn't have to have anybody do anything for them. God would give them grace. And help. If they would repent and do what? And do what? Come on, read the verse again. If they do what? Acknowledge what they know. Acknowledge what they see. And quit playing games. Now let's look at this the other way. What if they won't repent? What if they won't acknowledge? What's going to happen with that last verse? They're going to stay. In captivity. They're not coming out. They're going to stay in bondage to the drugs. In bondage to the sex. In bondage to the lies. And the deception. And the destructive lifestyle. I said this years ago and I still mean it. Give me any day. A sinner. That knows they're a sinner. Instead of some fork-tongue, two-way-talking Bible thumper that's going to play games with you. Life full of sin and just talk and talk and talk and quote scriptures. Quote scriptures. Quote scriptures. And false humility. Well, we struggle and we do what we you know to do, and y'all just pray for me. Turn the tears on. God Himself can't help that person. I know that's a strong thing to say. But they've cut themselves off from His grace because He knows what they know. You may not know, I may not know, but He knows. 
And I'm going to understand, you are going to get nowhere with God playing games and dancing a dance. I'm going to understand, when you seek Him with all your heart, that's when you're going to find Him. You can't come to Him playing, 1 John 1, 9 is wonderful, but it's not a game. If we confess our sin, that's how it starts off. You know how a lot of folk do that? Well, God, I, if I did something wrong, I, you know, I didn't mean to, and I was doing the best I could, but nobody would. You ain't confessing anything. You're not going to be forgiven of anything. And you can cry, and you can, you know, wet all your clothes and, and stay on the altar all night, and when you leave, you will be in bondage. Because you never repented. Crying and wailing is not repenting. Repenting is changing. Change, turning from something to something else. Changing. I just don't feel like I can do it by myself. That's why you got to admit it. And ask for grace. You got to admit you were tempted. You got to admit you yielded to it and you knew better and you knew what you were doing when you did it and if you'll do that come on we quoted scripture if you'll confess it and you'll forsake it come on tell me what'll happen mercy 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 he is faithful he is just see he, he justly he can help you now he can be just he can't be partner to a lie he can't be involved in that other junk. Nor can you. There's been times the Lord has sent me to people. Kept me up most of the night. Praying about something. And sent me to people. And I tried to talk to them about something. But they wouldn't talk to me about it. And I didn't feel like I could just come out and say. Now you're doing this. And you need to talk to me about it. I just. I understand God's not going to make anybody do anything. I tried to work the conversation around to it, and then it was a perfect time for them to come clean and talk about it, but they wouldn't do it. And so what happened? Let me tell you what didn't happen. They didn't get helped. They didn't get grace. People want to cover things. They want to hide things. Well... I don't want you to know it, Brother Keith. I'm ashamed. God already knows it. I may. <laughs> so many times, so many times, people have said, well, Brother Keith, I didn't want you to know it. I said, I've known it for months. If you'd have just come dealt with it then, we could have saved all this. Why didn't you say anything? That's not my job. It's not my job. God's not going to make any of us repent. He's not going to force any of us to do anything. If you cover it, if you hide it, what happens? You will not prosper. That's not just talking about your finances. That's talking about your whole life. But if you'll confess it. How many, what is confession? Come on, help me out here now. What's confession? Confession is what's not easy. Confession is being a real man. Being a real woman. Stepping up. 
That's why I said, give me a sinner that knows they're a sinner. Yeah, I'm a sinner. I did it. It was me. Why'd you do it? Sinner. (laughs) You knew better. I knew better. You can work with this. How many know what I'm talking about? You can work with this. If they want to repent, man, we're already most of the way there. Oh, but somebody that dodges you, turns on the tears, turns on the charm, manipulator. That's devilish. I said, that's devilish. Dodge this and sidestep this and try to bring up another subject and divert you and and then try to put it off on you and all these diversionary, this is devilish, devilish, devilish. And you won't prosper. And you won't get help. You'll be in bondage in this same area next time we see you. Oh, but if you get repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, you can recover yourself. Out of the snare and trap of the devil that might have been holding you down for years. You can come out. Why? By the grace of God, you can do anything. By the grace of God, you can overcome anything. By the grace of God, you can be strong enough not to yield again. By the grace of God. By the grace of God. And that's what every one of us should be operating in. Get the past behind us. Don't live in it for another month or year. Get it behind you. Get it under the blood. Be honest and be open with the Lord. He already knows. He already knows. If our heart condemns us, He already knows. So just don't run from Him. Don't hide it. Don't cover it. Run to Him. And there are times when you need to do the same thing with people. Particularly if you've lied to them. I know you don't want to. I know your flesh don't want to do it. But this will break you from doing it. (laughs) Come on. Be a man. Be a woman of God. Step up. Go to them. Look them in the eye. Don't dance around. Say I lied to you. I shouldn't. I did this. It wasn't right. ask you to forgive me. You can get clean. Things that have been between you for years can evaporate. Things can get right. Stand up on your feet, everybody. Hallelujah. Let's sing what can wash away my sin. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.